look at the reaction that was met when they announced Diablo for a phone, right? Like everyone flipped right. and it's like, which actually sounds like it could be a really good idea. Right, but, yeah, it might be the best way to play a Diablo game. I don't mm-hmm. know, but... <laughs> well, it's clicker heroes with Diablo skins. What do you people want? Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters with your hosts, Walker Near and Brett Lindley. I'm Walker, and this week we're chatting about the genre-bending RTS tower defense logistics game, Mindustry. If you'd like to support Pick Up Your Sticks, you can always buy us a cup of coffee at our Ko-Fi page, which is ko-fi slash pod. So what's up, Brett? What's got you picking up your sticks this week? What is up? I uh, have been played something. I think you've played a little bit of it as well. I think I played a lot more of it, though, and that is a little game called Mindustry or Mindustry. I'm not (laughs) sure where the emphasis is supposed to be on the industry part. Right. It's like mining and industry. but Right, but it's also kind of miniature in ways. I don't know. It's a portmanteau attempt. For sure, I don't. I don't know how you're going to pronounce that one, but yeah, well, Mindustry. Yeah, that's we what I've always yeah. gone with. Yeah, um, yeah, I did play it. Uh, I don't. I mean, maybe I want to say a year, but I don't know if that's exactly correct. But I played it before, and um, oh yeah, you played it because you play. You had references to their pre big patch, like they had done a recent like mega patch that overhauled the whole game. Well, it overhauled the whole overworld map of the game. Like the actual, like the first mission is identical to what it was previously. It just used to not be the overworld map that it is now, which I'll have to defer to you to explain how that all works. I mean, I guess, so I read that big patch note. It also changed the way a lot of the high tier units are produced. Ah. And like, and a lot of the functions of them, and some of how some of the weapons work and stuff too. So it was actually a pretty major overhaul. I never got that far, so oh, I wasn't okay. aware that those. <laughs> I was because again in mission one, it's the same right, same map layout right. and everything. Yeah. So I was like, oh, it's the same. It's just a different overworld map. But that's fair. I never made it to end game. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of like a blend of a tower defense and. I guess there needs to be a genre now for Factorio style games, logistics games, logistics crafting. (laughs) It's definitely not survival crafting. No, no. But but yeah, no, I agree that like satisfactory would fit into that. Right. Factorio. um, There's another one. one. The the one with the shapes. Oh, yeah. Is is it just called shapes? I think it might just be called like shapes.io or something. But yes, similar. Yeah. but anyway, it for me it was. I mean, it's a. It, I think it's a six dollar game. So right. it's not expensive. Before I say anything negative about it throughout the rest of the episode, I do want to say it is absolutely worth the six dollars. Oh yeah, right? like no, it's a, for sure. It's not. They don't. They're not robbing anyone here. It's a good no. value for that. Um, it felt like something I should love because I. Yeah, like I thought would. I actually thought you were going to take it a lot further than I, because it also has some RTS elements. Yeah, and it's got the Factorio elements pretty heavily in there that I thought you would really dig. Yeah, um, I don't know. The problem for me with Factorio like games is that none of them are Factorio. <laughs> this so. is fair, but you have also said that you kind of wished that in Factorio that the enemies were either gone or had something else kind of tied into them to make them seem more of a threat or more of more than just kind of thrown in. Yeah. Which I think my industry does a really good job of. Right. Yeah. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why it didn't, didn't hook me. Um, none of, none of those type of games have been able to hook me for a while now. I mean, Factorio, I played a lot of when the 1.0 release came. But haven't gone back to that. And then, yeah, Mindustry, the Shapes one. I have no problem with them, but I just didn't. They, they fall into the classic Walker gaming cycle of like, yeah, I, I, think, I, I think I literally have five hours in Mindustry. So right. <laughs> I think I have over 50. <laughs> so, yeah. So you're more qualified to talk about this game. Than so I, I guess have. we should probably start out with. So yeah, it's a Factorio style game, but it's a top down um very much so like Factorio, you've got little mining stations. You are not a character. Well, 
you are a character on the map, but you're not like a little dude running around. You fly a drone ship kind of thing. Um, and you there's different resources laid out all on the map. Uh, every map is its own kind of self-contained event or whatever. The map, it's basically a static map that you go, you drop into, you have a core base location. It's like you're the core of your base that drops down. And there's a spot on the map, sometimes two, that enemies will spawn waves out of. And most maps, the goal is to survive X number of waves. And you do that by building, you know, mining areas on the different resources, routing them on belts, and producing either routing them into your core so that they go into kind of your warehouse storage or routing them into other machines and factory elements that you kind of set up and build to make higher tier resources to then route into your core that you can use to build defense turrets with. And most of the turrets have to be powered by either electricity that you get from, you know, power generation plants, or you have to feed certain types of resources into them to use as ammo. And a lot of turrets can use multiple different types of resources to get different effects. And then outside of that, there's little robot dudes that spawn in. Some fly, some walk, like a standard tower defense. And you've got to defend X number of waves to... Uh, to then complete the level. And once the level's completed, you can continue to mine resources, which is useful in the later game, but otherwise you then go to kind of an overworld map where you select the next tile that you want to take over. Uh, some of them are just kind of, I guess, side mission tiles, like they're not required to be completed, and other ones are like named tiles that unlock kind of the, pro the tech progression of the game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and something I will say that I guess I don't know if it's better or worse, really, but it's just different than Factorio. Is like, for example, in Factorio, you can build a turret, but in order to get ammo to the turret, you have to smelt, you have to mine ore, smelt the ore into bars, put the ore, the bars through a factory that turns them into bullets, and then load the bullets into the gun with an arm or whatever. Right. In this, the the copper, for example, with the first metal you mm -hmm. get and first ammo type just comes straight out of the miner onto a belt and then just feeds directly into the turret if you built it to it right but there's not there's not three other layers of processing first to make it into bullets right no so, i mean so there are some of the other items that you can use as ammo you do have to process multiple times um and some of them are pretty much only ammo is like but there is not an ammo item that you make yeah yeah, well, and I just mean, at the beginning, it's just, a, again, and that's really all I can speak to, um, <laughs> it's not as complicated as most no, of the other factorial But I think likes. that's also kind of uh, in reference to what kind of game it is. It's more a tower defense game, so mm -hmm. first, why have four extra layers to get the first item that you need to progress, yeah. you know? Sure. Um, it, it is also, you know, I'll kind of say up front, it is a multiplayer uh, game. There is a a cooperative and a up to four v four battle mode version of the game, um, which is pretty intense because there are kind of RTS elements to it as well. It's more the the single player even weighs more heavily in the tower defense side of it, but there is a uh, RTS light element to it where you you can't really command. You can there's God, it's so hard to explain this. <laughs> So most of the time when you build units, you can have them, if you build like a command center, the command center has two options, rally here or just attack. And so the AI will control the units and send them marching off in a line towards whatever enemy core is out there. And rally here, they'll just congregate there. Um, but you can also take control of any unit in the game and use a, a minor rally function to like, get up to, I think, like, eight other units, depending on what kind of unit you are, to hold, like, circle around you. And then you can control those units and tell them how to fire and where to move to and whatnot, but you're essentially flying those units instead of flying your little construction vehicle. Um, and there's all kinds of advantages and disadvantages from, like, having a tactical attack to even there's higher tier builder units that you can get so you could build stuff a lot faster or, you know, 
heal other structures and keep things from being on fire or whatever. But outside of that, you're not selecting. It's not a StarCraft where you're having control groups and doing coordinated attacks or anything like that. You can have a small little strike force while everything else marches up front. You can kind of hit in the back or you just march everything up the front. So that's really as far as the RTS slash PVP side of it goes. It's still insane. PVP for my industry is a completely different game with tactics that are really kind of mind-boggling until you kind of get them. But outside of the outside of the the pvp sphere like you would never use any of the pvp tactics in a single player game and most of the single player tactics you're not going to be using in pvp outside of making blueprints of some of the the structures that you'll want yeah yeah factorio has pvp um which i've never delved into because that is far more daunting than i care for factorio to be i i don't really want to have to play it (laughs) as fast as i can I think that's when it comes to RTS PVP in general, I think that's where my uh, and I don't know if I I, as far as I know, it is basically true. Um, And I don't know if there's a way to solve it, but like it just feels like. Ultimately, everything is how fast can you go and. That constant pressure to be sprinting through every action I take, and of course, if if you're going so fast that you're misclicking or not doing it right then you're going too fast but it's like you always need to be on that line Mm -hmm. and i get why that's exhilarating and thrilling and enjoyable and engaging um but but having to tow that line for 40 minutes is not fun yeah and well and and like honestly a game like factorio you know my industry i haven't played as much so it's harder for me to speak to but like i don't feel like factorio is designed for that yeah it's i mean my industry is a little different because you build you can get to unit production in like five minutes yeah so you're sending the units or can just you can either rally them and send a big group or just starting to send one at a time to start putting pressure on you don't command them like you're not waiting and attack moving or anything like that they're just going so yeah that makes it takes some of the pressure off on that side but it's like moba creeps kind of that you're sending. exactly you're sending off moba creep waves right um but yeah so i you know one change that they did make uh, that you had kind of spoken to is the the overworld map, and I actually don't even really remember exactly how it worked before. But now it's like a globe, mm-hmm. and that globe is made up of a bunch of hexagons or octagons or something. And you start on one, and like you said, like some of them are kind of side missions. But again, I didn't get far enough, very far at all, and since the the big update for it came out, but. Do you eventually unlock the entire globe of hexagons? Mm-hmm. Or yep. Yeah, okay. you can. Uh, so I haven't fully beaten the game, but I'm not like I'm two or three of the main story levels away. And I did quite a few of the other hex maps because so one of the things is that whenever you whenever you finish clearing all the waves of the map, you can keep playing and depending on the size so there's different sizes of core of base that you can have uh so as you research them and get them through regular gameplay you can get bigger cores and each core is kind of a warehouse that has a cap of like five thousand of each type of item and then the next is like 10 and 20 and 30 or whatever right and so what you can do though is when you launch a new mission you have to launch from one tile to another. And sometimes you can kind of, you only have a, you have like a certain launch range. So sometimes if you just pick a random tile on the map, it'll say you'll launch from this other tile. So you need to go to that tile and stockpile items because what you can do is launch with either a bigger core to start or other base resources to start with which will allow you to get a head start on being, you don't have to start the tech tree over again, because let's say that you've mined a whole 20,000 titanium on the grid that you're on. Well, you can send up to like 10,000 in the medium core to start your new base with, which means you can start building titanium belts and higher level factories or units without having to mine any titanium on that map, which sometimes there may not even be titanium on that map. So you want to launch with as much of it as possible to to make use of anything that you can build using that resource on your new tile. Mm. And yeah, so, and then I guess 
because like what I noticed was that you know the the tile I started on had again I don't know six or eight or something surrounding tiles, but then there was another tile like a quarter of the way around the world or something that was lit up, but none of the tiles around it were lit up. So it seemed like there was kind of there's like central hubs, mm-hmm. I guess. See, kinda. those are kind of like the main story missions. Basically, mm. are like there's probably I don't know ten or fifteen main story like mode areas and they'll be locked so you have to beat them in some order sometimes you'll unlock two or three um but they basically dictate the tech tree because you have to beat certain maps to unlock the next piece of tech some other things you just have to collect a certain resource or build a certain unit or something but there's always a stop gap in how much tech tree you can unlock before you unlock one of the next story missions Mm, yeah but then outside of that you can also the the enemy kind of will expand and move. It's very slow, but you can if you unlock a, one of the side mission tiles that's next to an enemy tile, that tile can be, then become under threat and the game continues to progress on all tiles no matter what tile you're on. So a tile can come under threat and it'll say can survive like up to wave 35 or whatever because it just kind of assumes based on what how your base is laid out and what weapons you have and if you've built walls to like build a maze like your tact your not tactical um your kind of generic build a maze to force the enemy units to go in a certain line kind of thing exists so it takes that into account and says it can survive approximately this many waves but it if you're not on that tile and it actually gets attacked it'll start pushing those waves to that base even if you're not playing it and it can either get blown up or you can go back to that base and continue building from where you left off to try to then survive x number of waves and it'll keep coming under attack until you do an attack mission on that enemy tile and attack missions instead of having a number of waves it the enemy base will just continue it's basically infinite waves that'll progressively get harder until you destroy the enemy core. Mm. So you're kind of on a timer because eventually it will start sending stuff that either out techs you or just out, you know, outperforms your, your defenses. And so you do have to go on the offensive occasionally and build up units and either do tactical runs or just send big gobs of things at the enemy base. Right. Yeah. Something else that I liked about, um, about the gameplay of it, you know, I, I kind of alluded to the simplicity, at least early game, of, of the manufacturing and producing of stuff. And also just the building. Like, you can just middle-click, I think it is, on any any tile, and that immediately becomes what you have now selected, so then you can replace it. So you it doesn't force you to dig through menus as much, because you can just see something on the map and go, oh, yeah, I want that. I'll put that in. Um which I thought that was little touches like that. I thought were pretty cool um, to see, uh, just to see it simple. The, the interface simplified, if you will. There's a pretty good hotkey system as well, which uh, helps a lot with that. Like the middle click stuff is really cool. I like that. There's also just a key that allows you to highlight and select any, not just one thing, but like a whole chunk of the map. And instead of turn, you can turn it into a blueprint from there that you would use later, but you can also just duplicate a small chunk of things without having to have a blueprint. Or like I said, there's, there's not an infinite number of like buildings and items that you can get. There's a pretty good number, but there's kind of a two button hotkey system. So the first hotkey selects like factories or, you know, liquid routing or whatever. And it's all like zero through nine or whatever. And so you hit like one, four would select ground moving. And then four would be like titanium built or basic built or router or junction or whatever. So you can, you can move pretty quick through them once you get the hang of it. Yeah. That's, I felt like if I would spend the time to get better at that side of it, that I might've been able to go farther than I did because, um, I just, in those games, and this happens to me in all of them, I just end up playing so slow. <laughs> like, and I don't know why 
it I'm that slow. I mean, I don't know. I think there's a good chunk of it, at least for me, that falls into that enjoyable distractions thing. Yeah. That we have an entire episode on of all the enjoyable <laughs> distractions that we love. Go into our early back catalog and listen to it. It's great. Um, but I think that for me, there is a lot of that where it's like it's cool to watch resources. How much how is the belt saturated? And are they moving into the new factory? Is the new factory working properly? Because in in Mindustry, it's a little bit different in how from like a Factorio where you have belts with little arms that insert items into it. Buildings just have any you can use any side of them as an import and all three sides of them will rotate around for export like for for putting things out. And some buildings will only export in one direction, and some will export just in around Robin around the building. And so what you can do is then put two buildings right next to each other, and one will dump its contents into the next one. And so you can build these really compact processors that have four or five different levels of tech that are all in a very small area. So you just feed a few belts into one side, and then have different little routing mechanisms that you can build in a pretty small space that then spits out a very advanced resource from the other end. So there's a lot of people that like to do optimizations of, they, they call them factories, but it's really a, an amalgamation of, of buildings together. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, I think in Factorio, your whole map is technically your, well, not your whole map, that but right. wherever you've built is your factory, right, right. right. Um yeah, another game which I, I haven't actually played enough of to, to talk about at length, but that's in the same vein that I meant to mention earlier is Dyson Sphere Program. Um, mm, mm-hmm. I haven't played that one yet, but it looks good. Yeah, it's very it's a very pretty game. Um, but yeah, it's funny because like I play these games and I just forget super fundamental things that I already know. Like, for example, when you were talking about building the TD style maze of like mm-hmm. walls and stuff, I was like, you know, I never did that in the time I played Mind I used walls, but <laughs> right. I literally just used them to just block off entire paths. Yes. And then funnel them into choke points, which yep. is ultimately the same thing that a maze does. But with the maze, you can really stretch that process right. out. Well, and it does kind of, it, it doesn't super reward that because enemy units will just start attacking things like they'll attack all of the walls Mm. so if they're not built high uh, if they're low level walls that you're trying to build this the back and forth zigzag maze yeah they'll eventually just eat through that oh okay they won't but there's a path yeah they'll they'll start destroying stuff along the way because in the classic tower defense it's like if there's an opening then they won't do that right because they'll just take the stupid path um but that's interesting that they it, but I, it is, I mean, I didn't do, there were a couple of levels where I did build miniature factories outside of my, so I had my main base that all funneled resources to build up my tech level and build units with. But then if there was a choke point close to the enemy spawn, you can just plop down a couple of base level mining things because you don't have to refine ore into special ammo and then build a bunch of cannons like low level low tech cannons and just splatter it all over the place just right where the enemies are going to spawn to reduce their number or weaken them or whatever but then that base now has to be defended which means you're probably going to have to route better resources up to it and mm-hmm. it's kind of a risk reward kind of scenario for doing that yeah i guess you know actually i just this just dawned on me but the fact that you control the little ship that flies around and can fight with it to some extent um, on top of your static defenses that you build is actually kind of like that X-Morph def- defense game. That oh, I yeah, that one, too. It is a good ago. merger of those. Yeah. <laughs> that one's a lot prettier <laughs> as right. far as no, it is. fidelity. It is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't think it has... It's also like a 14-mission linear campaign, right? right? It's not this over map. And, well, so you were explaining earlier how tiles can come back under threat. Is it only if they're adjacent to enemy tiles, or can anything be attacked and require you to go back to save it? Over so time? it'll. It's only if it's a, next to an enemy tile. I'm not sure that I let anything go long enough to see if the enemy tiles would spread. Mm. Um, because and really, honestly, the attack missions for me were more fun, mostly because you don't get to them for a while. You do defense miss- missions for probably your first ten levels or so. Mm. Um. Maybe depends. I don't know. I did a lot more of the side missions, too. So I, if you're just bum rushing the campaign, it's probably not that because I think there's only 10 or 15 
campaign levels, but it's at least your first three or four even campaign levels are defense missions. Hmm. Um, but th- so by the time that I got an attack mission, it was so different and required me to think so differently because I couldn't just build uh, defenses will get overrun no matter what, because eventually if you don't destroy their base, they'll start producing units that you can't produce and they will stomp through your stuff. Mm. Um, and so it, it made me think like, well, do I want to make just a bunch of low, like overwhelm them with a massive number of low tier units? And they have tower defense stuff set up and they'll rebuild their stuff too. Like they'll have a construction unit or sometimes they'll have an infinite construction unit where they'll always rebuild it. And sometimes they'll just have like four construction units. So if you kill all of those, then you can eventually wear them down. But they, they'll retreat. They don't want to get into combat. They just want to repair and rebuild stuff. Hmm. And they have air defenses. And so, so you've got to like, find weak points on the map or find an area of natural resources that the enemy has that you want that maybe you can leverage. And so you've got to kind of plan out your mission and how you want to set up your offense or defense to, to leverage that. Or if you can build a bunch of bombers, like maybe have some weak defenses that'll just hold long enough until you can build a mass of bombers take control of them, get a big group of them together, and because you're smarter than the AI, you can fly in between stuff that the AI won't normally walk through and go bomb some strategic area to try to to snipe out a win or whatever. So those were so fun that I always just attacked the enemy whenever it showed up. I think I had one time where a base came under threat enough that I, I actually lost that tile and had to retake it again later. Hmm. Yeah, it, it's I mean, it's such a different game, so it's a it's a stretch. But it, it made me think when I saw that they could come under attack, it actually made me think of GTA San Andreas, um, where you have these you you can take over different neighborhoods and like street corners or whatever as your gang. But you'll be out doing other stuff and then that will come under attack and you have to go defend it from rival right. gangs. Kind of like a Fallout 4 has some of that in it as well. Yeah, yeah. So I could see that. Yeah, it is It is very much so kind of that idea. I think it's, I mean, in GTA San Andreas, which that's, you know, 2005 or something, that game came out. So much older and whatever. But um, that was, I thought that was such a cool feature. Unfortunately, it <laughs> once you progress the story past a certain point, that's over and is no longer a part of the game. So it's not there the whole time, but I don't know. There's something about um, the persistence, I guess that's kind right. of cool. Right. Like, well, and later and later in the game, cause at first it's just kind of like, well, why am I, I'm just leveling up these tiles to launch to other ones, but later in the game, you can get launch pads. And instead of dumping your resources into the warehouse of that base and using it to take over another tile, you can pick a tile on the map that the launch site will launch off to. So mm. kind of like in Factorio where you build a rocket, except the rocket goes to another tile and dumps the resources there. So then you can go back to all these other tiles that you've been on and direct them all to launch resources to the tile that is the mission that you're about to go to. And so then you, that when you're in that mission, you just get regular injections of mm. income so you don't have to build if i don't want to go after and get copper again i don't have to i have copper coming in from half a dozen other tiles in regular like one minute intervals or whatever that launch to this map so i don't have to mine copper at all i have infinite copper on this map now and so i don't have to worry about it i can start off with some other tech level and and do that or strategic resources that aren't on that map like i said it may not have titanium or thorium or whatever you can launch it in from other sites so even mid mission that's with that thing where it says like you can survive up to wave 43 well if you're on wave 16 you can leave the map go to your other tiles build rocket launch sites divert resources to them move those rockets to launch your new tile, come back, and now it's wave at wave 23 instead of 16 or whatever, and pick up now with new injections of resources from there. So you can do some back-and-forth management. I didn't do a lot of it, but I think for some of the later game t- tiles, it definitely would have made them a lot easier than walking away and letting it mine for half an hour. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um and so is it also correct that like you join a map and and then when you get to wave 10 you can 
choose to leave with the resources you've accumulated at that point, which then you can spend on the tech tree, or you can keep playing the map out to like another, like to so the next, that, through the next 10 waves. The, that's the old version. Okay. Of, okay. Yeah. yeah. So the new version is, it will stop at a, each level has a certain wave cap. And when it hits that cap, then you're done. Now I okay. think there is a co-op multiplayer version, which is essentially infinite, but instead of launching with the rocket, is that was the old multiplayer version where you could keep going and then you launch with a bunch of extra resources. Mm-hmm. The new version is you just build the rocket silo and put resources into another tile. Um, so yeah, there's no most of the only ones that have infinite waves that I saw were the attack missions. I see, I and, see, and they you will just inf- eventually lose, but instead of getting bonus resources for losing, you just lose, <laughs> right? Right. Hey, Walker, do you know our podcast is almost big enough to start selling ads? Yeah, I had noticed that. So what do you think? Should we go mattress company, VPN, some mobile game? Uh, I was kind of thinking maybe coffee. Yeah, I mean, there's some there's some good free trade local. No, no, no. Like Ko-Fi, like donations. Oh, oh, right. So so we we do ads for Ko-Fi and for coffee. I mean, I guess that could work. But I was thinking that people could support the show with really small donations about the cost of a cup of coffee. And then we could skip talking about mattress companies or mobile games and just keep all of that content out of the show, uh, they can just head over to our Ko-Fi page over at ko-fi.com slash pod and contribute to us there. Oh, I get it. So you're saying even if our listeners donated a single dollar over at ko-fi.com slash pod, it would go a long way towards funding the podcast. And in the future, we could even offer cool things like merch or rewards and stuff like that. Yeah, no, that's definitely one way that we can pay our bills, keep our mics hot and keep the show going. And if they can't donate, that's okay too let's just let him get back to enjoying the show and then yeah the tech tree itself i mean i again i've only done the first tier of it um but what are your thoughts on that i mean it looks like it's pretty big is it is it interesting or is it just pretty straightforward i mean it's actually pretty interesting because on top of unlocking the tech you have to have a certain number of resources to unlock each different item and there's usually a you will eventually get all of it But especially as you move up, there is a little bit of, I guess, choice anxiety or just choice yeah. because you have, especially the more rare resource you get, it can unlock five different things. Well, you only have enough to unlock one right now, and it took you half an hour to mine it. So you're probably not going to let the game run in, in the background for four hours, which you could, but I didn't want to. I just kind of wanted to pick something and move on. I think I really like the idea of the tech tree. The part of it that bothered me is that uh, the hotkeys are assigned by order of item in the menu and not by like name of item. So uh, Mm. you unlock a new item and if it appears alphabetically in between belt and sorter, well, now belt your belt and sorter hotkeys are now you know belt and router and then oh, three wow. is sorter and so that really mess and even just looking in the menu cuz it's pretty like you said kind of low fidelity game and a lot of the one grid space sized items look very similar which can be kind of confusing until you get used to it and so I was like trying to look in the menu and stare at it for like 30 seconds. Like which one is what hover over them? Each one, one at a time. I remember it was in the fourth spot on the second row and it's not there anymore. So right. that can be a little frustrating, but overall, I like just having the tech tree. I was really fond of, I, I think that it was cool that it, like on the one hand, I was like, Oh man, I really unlock, want to unlock these different things to do cool stuff with. But I can't until I beat XYZ mission. But that forced me to go play other missions instead of just sitting on one map accruing resources. Right. So I was I was pretty okay with the way they did it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it looked it looked like it would be interesting again. I didn't get far enough into it to really have a viable opinion, but um but yeah, that's cool. And and really, I mean, and, you know, it's like I talked, I talked, I've talked at length. We both have, but about how you know the the ARPG genre can feel, and I, when I say that, I'm talking really about like Diablo, um, Path of Exile, Torchlight, those brand of games. 
Uh, not Hades. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've talked. The listeners haven't heard no. how many more times you've gone back to Hades. <laughs> yeah, I still I still go to it almost daily. Um, but anyway, my, my point is just that like it, it gets hard when I play a Diablo or a Path of Exile or, or whatever for me to to not feel like I'm just clicking loot bags. Right, like balloons mm-hmm. to just like, hey, it'll explode into more items or I'll see big damage lights. numbers. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it it gets I get caught in that mind frame quickly, and so then I, that's my complaint. Right, is like, oh, it's just this th- this really simple thing that's trying to draw me in, and I'm better than that or something. Right, which I'm not actually, but yeah, because we keep going back and playing this. <laughs> right, <laughs> but but it's interesting to me. Like, I wonder. I don't I I don't know. I've not analyzed this much my of myself, but there's something there where like it's shocking how compelled I am by unlocking tech trees in games. Like we played Valheim, a huge motivation for me to play Valheim outside of the social stuff that was really right. the the real core of it, but was like what else is in it like what else will we find like what else will be new is it just a new color or does it come with a new ability or does it do some new thing right yeah exactly um factorio same thing like what will i unlock like so many games i'm so hooked by the tech tree and i don't know i don't know that that's any you know smarter or whatever word i would want to use than than being addicted to clicking loot bags. You know what well, I mean? Well, like- actually, I mean, no, I, so I get 100%. I think it's more, I would I would say that most of the tech trees in a lot of games like this are a lot more similar to the leveling up tree, like skill trees yeah. in like a Path of Exile or something, you know? Yeah, But I actually, I, I do really enjoy the way they do unit upgrades in Mindustry is you have a ground unit factory, an air unit factory, and a naval unit factory, and that's it. And then there is essentially a tier two upgrade building, a tier three upgrade building, and a tier four upgrade building. And you can spit a unit directly out of a factory. Like each each of the factories have two to four different types of units that you can build at a base level. And then the upgraded versions of those units some of them are kind of more of the same but bigger and some of them are like completely different units so you can build they basically have big belts that you can push units on or you can just directly spit a unit into the next tier upgrader and all of the upgrade factories require the same resources to upgrade any unit so it's not if it's this unit that spits out it has to have these resources Mm. when you build the base unit it is all the base units have a special requirement of what goes in, but to upgrade them, it's always the same. And so it's very, it just makes a lot of sense. You don't have to have ground factory two, ground factory three. You just have ground factory and upgrader. And the, the units get huge yeah. and have pretty powerful abilities. And like huh. the tier three bombers shoot like 20 missiles and drop bombs and the repair unit can pick up other units or pick up your buildings and move them around. And like you, when you get a big pack of them and you jump in to control them, you could just do like you can run these tactical mission runs where you're trying to just outrange the enemy towers so that you can't get shot so that you could take out a couple of key towers and then go back to your command module and set it to launch a giant wave of units out. So it's really fun and it, and it's pretty easy to amass units in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, it's interesting. It's interesting to see these kind of blended genre games and I don't know like it's on the one hand it's easy to be like eh stay in your lane you know what I mean like trying to do too much thing but I think this is an example where that's not true I think they do a pretty good job again the limited amount I've played and then what you've shared off air too and then also in this conversation um I think they strike a pretty good balance of kind of blending the RTS and the and the tower defense genre Mm -hmm. and I, I just looked to see because obviously we've both played it on PC. Right. Um, but it is actually on iOS and Android. 
Oh, it and would for be a, a good mobile game. game. Yeah, that's a if you if that's you want a super great cool. mobile yeah. game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, get get Mindustry there. It may be a little bit fiddly. I don't. It would depend on how well they did the UI stuff. Probably better for a tablet than a phone, as I think most mobile games are, um, outside of like match threes. Right. But yeah, no, for a tablet game, I would that would be a great tablet game to to go play around with. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Like, I definitely have giant sausage finger hands and would not want to play that on a cell phone screen <laughs> right, but right but yeah on a on a tablet or something that would be i mean that might be the coolest mobile game i've heard of i don't know because well, it's, it's not baked into some dumb pay to win multiplayer thing oh or something, no yeah you know exactly I mean? there's no loot boxes there's no right. <laughs> uh, extra resource that you have to get on the side or anything it definitely i could see a little bit of like mo like i could see that they had mobile as an intent when they made the game. Yeah. Um, just in the way, now that I think about like how some of the menus are set up and how some of the options are put in there, mm-hmm. like, yeah, that would, they definitely thought about mobile, not that it was made for mobile and then ported to PC, but just that, that that was a design consideration when they were building it. I can definitely yeah. see that. Yeah. And yeah. And I think, and it lends itself to mobile as well, because I mean, now Factorio would not be fun to play on a, phone or something but a game like that the scope of it is just enormous so you could play for 20 minutes and be like i don't know if i really got much done whereas in this like you can you complete a map within 10 or 15 minutes so it's broken out into bite-sized chunks of time if you want that or you can sit and and grind it if you want to but it it, it's innately built with that kind of like hey you can stop (laughs) idea in mind for sure and i think it I don't know, going back to what you're saying about marrying RTS and tower defense, I, I would actually appreciate if the tower defense was dropped and it married more RTS and Factorio a little bit closer. Like, I get why they did the tower defense, and I love it. I think it's great. But I think that reducing the number of resources a little bit more, like maybe, because my industry probably has, when you include all of the tier 2, tier 3, tier 4 resources, maybe 15 different things like base resources that you could put on a belt. I think maybe cutting that in half or maybe even a little bit further down to something like six, but then increasing the number of production facilities and some of the the situation there. It's basically like, what if you had to route pipelines from your Vespine geyser in Starcraft to your factory, Mm. right? Like getting a little bit closer to that, but then allowing a little bit more unit control and maybe a little bit of unit micro, maybe not StarCraft level, but some more, I think could be a really fun way of incorporating some of that city building SimCity style gameplay, but also having some RTS elements in there, I think is a really underexplored. There are some games that have done it. Anno has done it. Um, there's maybe a little bit in, uh, probably not quite as much in like if in any age of empires or anything. I'm trying to think of anything else that marries a little bit closer to a SimCity style game with an RTS. I really Anno is about the only one that comes to mind. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that the Tropico series kind of okay, ventures yeah, into yeah, that yeah. space That's a little fair. bit. I mean, it's it, to call it RTS though is kind of is a pretty big stretch. Right. But, um, I think there's still a lot of room there. Like RTS is a genre that hasn't really had a lot of experimental uh development in it no i mean well it's just because it stopped selling right so the money just isn't isn't there so it's just a big risk for anyone to take which you know frost giant games is supposedly the knight in shining armor for this problem and we'll we'll see yeah i mean I, i mean totally unrelated to what we're talking about other than i guess loosely tied to rts but uh it's pretty incredible how much talent blizzard is we'll say hemorrhaging currently right (laughs) Um, not just to frost giant but there's like i think three or four little indie studios that are spawning out of uh former longtime blizzard career staff so i think we're finally starting to see the end game of activision like i think we're just starting to see what we were all afraid was going to happen but knew if it happened, it wasn't going to, it was either going to happen immediately, which it didn't because they promised it wouldn't. And it, and it, they held true to that word. But I think that the long, the long-term effects of the Activision buyout are finally starting to show. 
Yeah, you know, I had that thought as well. Um, and I don't know. I mean, on the one hand, yeah. On the other hand, the people that are leaving have been there for like 15 years plus it's largely. True. Yeah, or, so or longer. I mean, right. We, so it's like Chris Metzen probably wasn't going to die a Blizzard employee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and well, and they all came there to make IPs that at the time were new and exciting and whatever. Right. And now, not that the IPs aren't still good, but it's not new in the same way. And there's a lot of like making sure that it's in line with previous games and expectations right. because of that. And it's harder to take risks, right? I mean, look at the reaction that was met when they announced Diablo for a phone, right? Like everyone flipped right. and it's like, which actually sounds like it could be a really good idea, right? But... Yeah. It might be the best way to play a Diablo game. I don't mm -hmm. know, but <laughs> well, it's clicker heroes with Diablo skins. What do you people want? I know. Like... <laughs> But anyway, I've completely diverted us away from my industry. But so we, I mean, we've talked about it quite a bit. Um, I guess one thing that we haven't touched on that I have no idea how significant it is or not in this title, but what's your take on music, sound, you know, that uh, it thing? has a really solid sound design. The music, there's not a whole lot to the music. I think it's one of those games where in the beginning it's really good. It's very fitting. Uh, after three or four missions, I probably turn it off and replace it with my own music, but I leave the sound on the sound design is actually pretty. I mean, it's not like it's, I think the sound design matches the graphical design of the game in the mm. sense that it's not, it's like 16 bit, 32 bit kind of sounds and definitely geared for that style, which I think is very fitting. I feel it fits the art style very well. You don't have like high fidelity shotgun noises to shotgun <laughs> turret, but it's also not just like, when a big turret is shooting a big attack, there's some screen shake, there's some juice. It's it's a little bit higher fidelity than just a 16-bit noise, you know. It's right. got some weight to it. I think the sound design of the game is very well. And I think for a small production studio that looks pretty much like they self-published, um, I think it's really, really well done. And I, I yeah, I enjoyed... All the little, some of them are pew pews, but the pew pews come from tiny, adorable robots shooting little little lemon lasers like a Mega Man, you know? Right. And so that sounds great. But then when a tier three bomber is dropping nukes, then there's explosions and they look cool and they sound great. So, yeah. Right. I mean, obviously, this is not even in the realm of, you know, first game to do this or something. But I do, I do love that. You know, for so long in gaming, and again, this is even an outdated take because it hasn't been true for years now, but um, for so long, the push was always graphical fidelity, graphical fidelity. Like, that's the, right. the bar that we're chasing. And, of course, that bar still gets chased, you know, sometimes unsuccessfully and sometimes not. But um, I love I love that we that the gaming community at large, the gaming marketplace at large has space for this or Terraria mm -hmm. or even Factorio where it's like yeah. the emphasis of this is not how cool it looks. Not well, that it I looks horrible, but honestly it kind of, now that I think about it, it almost reminds me of like a reverse Tyrion mm. where you're almost building the level that the ship fly because the graphics look a lot similar to that kind of 2000 era style pixel graphics. And yeah, where it's, like, not ultra high def, but it's, like, MP3 quality sound, so fine. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, just having the style is all very... Everything feels like it's supposed to be there. And, right. and everything looks the same. You don't have any difference between the art style of the terrain to the art style of the units. Mm, yeah. Anything else you wanted to, to cover with, with relation to my Yeah, industry? a little bit. There's uh, some stuff that I didn't kind of get into is there is a little bit of rock, paper, scissors to mm. to your selections on stuff like we said there's different ammo types that you can divert into things um and there's actually a, a pretty good amount of choice that you can have in the ammo types the wall types some things are resistant to lasers or explosions mm. some things are vulnerable to them so there's a little bit of rock paper scissors gameplay in there and uh there's also some risk reward in there's a pretty robust power system, as would be with any of these games. Managing your power is something you got to do. Um, but Time out. Also... I actually did not know that you had a power system in this game because I <laughs> have never gotten that far. I've just used the <laughs> copper turrets and stuff, and they all just shoot yep, when you load copper into them. So, sorry uh, to interrupt you. I just no, had to no, admit <laughs> that I know that little. 
there's a whole power system. You get different power generators, so you have to figure out, <laughs> do you want to use steam or just burn coal? What do you have excesses of? You can build high... There's even... Uh, like you could build like pyrite or whatever that is explosive and you can run it in your steam generator, but your steam generator will take damage. It'll generate way more power, but then you have to either not run it solely on that. So you have to like split it in occasionally and run like a mending unit to repair the building, or you have to increase the water cooling by building pumps and liquid systems. There's I think three or four, I think there's like three or four liquids there's like water, you can make a super coolant, uh, oil, and uh, you can deal with fire. So if you have a bunch of coal mining area with like coal power generator and enemy flying units come in over all your walls and you don't have air defenses, they can shoot down one, even if you kill the unit, it can crash into one of your belts and blow up that belt and then it's on fire. And because all of the belts have coal on them, it'll spread. So you have to have, like, water turrets that will just put out fires, and they can huh. push other units back and stuff. There's actually a pretty big number of... Uh, there's probably 20 different turret types, and some of them can have up to four different types of ammo, which some of them just change the speed they shoot or whatever. But you can water-cool turrets to make them shoot faster, or super-fluid-cool them to make them... It's like a Gatling shotgun turret or whatever. So you can change what ammo type you have if you're using pumps, which may take more power, or mixing and matching a lot of different things. I think that you can... I played the game probably somewhere in the middle where I wasn't min-maxing. You can save blueprints, and the advantage of the Steam Workshop is that blueprints can either be uploaded just to the Steam Workshop where you can import them to the game, or they can generate a blueprint as a chunk of text, essentially, which you can then just copy and paste into your game. Mm. So if somebody has a really good uh, plastic production when all you have is you know no oil, but you have spores, so you can turn spores and compress them into oil, then you can get somebody set up that does that, um, or you can build your own and kind of put it in there. All really fun stuff that I think made it a, a, a pretty accessible, so you don't have to know these super complex systems. You could just kind of import them. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know. There's a there's a ton of different ways. It's fun to take over the little mechs and use them to go stomp around. There's a, there's a fair there's enough tactical stuff that it kind of makes me want more of that RTS tactical side. Um and I think I just enjoy that a little bit more than a, a pure tower defense, but I think it does a good job of of bringing it all together and showing that there is a lot of room to take the Factorio type of gameplay and and do something different with it as well. Yeah, that's I mean, I will say I'm I'm actually a lot more fascinated than I thought I was going to be at the beginning of this conversation. <laughs> I knew that I didn't know everything, but I right. I didn't realize the level to the level to which I hadn't really even scratched the surface. It takes time to get there. I would say the first three or four levels, you feel like they don't progress the game very fast in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so it can give you a sense of like, well, this is all there is. I kind of get what's going on. Um, but one, and even if you watch like a multiplayer, it's almost impossible to understand what's going on there because it's so hyper fast and it's nowhere near the way you would play a single player game. Mm-hmm. I would say it probably takes a good five hours to break through that surface level and reach the complexity where the game really starts opening up. Mm. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, the water cooled turrets and stuff. That's a really interesting. That's a really interesting mechanic to have. Well, yeah, and it just it makes it to where. There's a lot of times where I got stuck building a choke point and then, but the choke point is kind of close to my base. And then I'm trying to stuff more things in there than there's room for. And I don't have room for any of the cool stuff. Whereas if you just let the game branch out some and go out into the middle of the map, it takes more planning, but then you have a lot more room to play with these different mechanics where you can put in multiple different ammo types or put two types of ammo on a belt so it cycles back and forth between explosive ammo, shotgun ammo, explosive, and so you could do different effects with that and and then water cool it and throw in extra stuff in there. So if you do pick it up, let yourself branch out some. Like, And even if you lose a map, uh, anything that the enemies don't destroy will stay there. So they can, they'll blow up everything on their way marching towards your core, but they may not blow up stuff on the sides of the map at all. 
So when you come back in with a new load of stuff and rebuild your core, one, whenever you go into the build menu, it'll show a ghosted version of everything that used to be there. So you can just automatically rebuild everything that used to be there, or you can scrap what you had before, but still have a good chunk of factory that's operating if you just connect a couple of belts on the side of your base. So I think that's kind of neat too, where you can get a leg up the next time that you play, even if you fail. So Yeah. Yeah, I like the blueprint system too. I mean, you know, to some extent in the Factorio logistic style game, you know, a, a significant bulk of the the quote unquote interesting gameplay is figuring out the design, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think Factorio would be fun if you just imported blueprints from the beginning and never right. took any time to try and experiment and play around. At the same time, I also am not interested in like designing my own spreadsheets to understand throughput capacity right. and like, yep. and other people are, so mm-hmm. I'll let them do it and then just <laughs> figure it out, you know, copy what they had or whatever. But yeah, I mean, in Factorio, you know, the nuclear power plant stuff in Factorio, it, it's not hard to get a nuclear power plant running, but it's hard to have one run efficiently because right. It's like basically once you start burning a, a piece of uranium, which the kind of uranium you you uh, burn is, is really rare, right. especially early when you start in it. So when you start burning that piece of uranium, like it burns until it's gone. Right. Well, if it's producing more power than you need, then you're potentially just wasting mm-hmm. enormous amounts of this. And it's rare. So that's, you know, it's not impossible to overcome, but it just makes it harder and yeah, I found some blueprint that like the guy has, you know, this the nuclear plant and then this crazy setup of like on off switches and, yep. and sensors and backup steam tanks so that you can store a ton of this power. And then it automatically detects switches. when the load, the power load yep. is getting low or high or whatever, when it needs to, to kick back on. There actually is a full logistics system in. Uh, mind industry as well with switches mm-hmm. and stuff the, the it does get a little bit weird in in where some of i've imported some blueprints because without the inserter arms it can get kind of odd knowing how like if you put two belts next to each other and your intent is to put a router to to split one of those belts well it just attaches to everything it touches so it'll also split into a belt that you don't want it to. Right. So you've got to, there's some tricks to get around it and there's some things that you can do but understanding that depth is a little odd at first which they don't do the best job really showing you how that works in the game but it doesn't take too much to kind of finally get like one YouTube video, you know, gets you pretty good into like, oh, now I understand how these work. Right. And, and so you can jump off there. But yeah, you can get into to power because, yeah, the thorium power plant will explode if you don't have it cooled constantly. But what you don't realize is those 20 laser turrets that haven't done anything for an hour are now at wave 25 where they're being used and your power consumption drops low enough that your pump stops pumping into your factory and it explodes. Mm. And so it, it, there can be some, there's some, if you get into play with that tech, you've got to monitor it. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, any Anything else that we hadn't covered yet? No, it's cheap. Go buy it. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's total, there, there are some drawbacks to the game. It is not a perfect game. Uh, it does run kind of slow in the beginning of just getting used to the game and the gameplay and not getting to play any of the RTS attack missions, which some people may not like. Um, because if your units go walking one by one and you just have one factory making units, they're going to die to the same turret as if you are sending a level one wave to the enemy and they're sending level five waves at you. So you've got to build, you've got to think less like an RTS and more like an anti-tower defense Mm. where you've got to build more factories and pump, you know, more of the same tier of unit at in a wave or whatever. So, right. Right. But overall, absolutely love it. So, yeah, I mean, you've kind of answered it there to some extent, but uh, you know, why would you say Mindustry either as a game matters or your experience playing it? Why did that matter? Why did it resonate? I definitely would say that like it, it was a fresh take on, for me, more of the tower defense side. Um, it reminded me a lot of 
what I I guess I kind of hoped something like a planetary annihilation would be mm. oddly um just in kind of the, the the style of the units and stuff the epic tier units are absolutely ridiculous they're huge and have turrets all around them and walk over walls and just I don't know they're really really cool um but I think that it definitely showed me like for one I think it's a little bit closer to what I enjoy out of something like a Factorio because I wanted more of the turrets and aliens and tanks and things like that. I didn't get into as much of like the rail system and setting up mega factories that produced specific items to launch rockets. I wanted to attack aliens. Um, And so this is a little bit closer to something like that. And I think it just shows that there's a lot of creative design that can still be brought to, uh, can be brought to the factor the factorio-esque game whatever we call that um to the tower defense genre and to the rts genre i think that instead of just having units mine crystals and vespian and deliver them to base or gold and ore and deliver it to base or tiberium and deliver it to base actually managing the logistics side has a lot of potential for as long as it's not so complicated that it's punishing for an enemy to attack one spot and knock out your whole grid, but also rewarding enough where there is some challenge in how you're going to do it or defend it or route it, I think there's just a lot of opportunity to bring some of those design elements and rekindle some RTS or RTS light versions of a game. So that's all for our episode today. If you like this episode, consider buying us a cup of coffee over at a Ko-Fi page, which is ko-fi.com slash P-U-Y-S-Pod. Or just tell a friend about us because word of mouth really does make a difference. All of our links and social accounts are available down in the show notes, and if you want to hear more from either on us on topics outside of gaming, Walker's podcast, The Walk Show, talks about the walk of life while interviewing various guests, and my personal podcast, Dungeons & Dinners, is where the love of fantasy is food for thought.